didn't want this service to be a, another Reformation 500 service. We figured we have done that in our churches already. So what we're doing this morning is letting this service be a service that looks ahead, looks to the future, so that we can live in our inheritance. We still are talking about the Reformation also in our presentations today, but with an eye on the future. We all have Holy Communion as uh, part of the absolution, so you notice we've been looking at the service folder that comes early in the service, so just be aware of that. I would encourage you to turn off your cell phones before the service begins. Let us rise to sing the open.
Psalm 46 was Luther's favorite psalm. Here's what he says about Psalm 118. Although the entire Psalter and all the Holy Scripture are dear to me as my only comfort and source of life, I fell in love with this psalm especially. When emperors and kings, the wise and the learned, and even the saints could not aid me, this psalm proved a friend and helped me out of many great trials. As a result, it is dearer to me than all the wealth, honor, and power of the Pope, the Turk, and the Emperor. I would be most unwilling to trade this psalm for all. With those sentiments in mind, we read responsibly. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and He answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The stone builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. The Lord is God, and He has made His light shine upon us. With vows in hand, join the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. As we rejoice in the great love God has for us, we must admit we deserve none of His blessings. Let us now humbly confess in all honesty to Him who loves to forgive. <laughs> oh, what great things you have done, O God, Creator and Ruler of the universe. This is yet another day of celebration. Only one thing marks my joy, and that is my sin. I confess to you that I have not done everything your law demands, and I have broken your laws in countless ways. I confess this simple condition. But for this very reason, you sent your own Son, Jesus, to be the Savior of the world, my own Savior too. What great things you have done. In his name I come humbly and confidently, Seeking your assurance of full and free forgiveness. Rest assured, brothers and sisters, the King of the universe has sent his Son to be the eternal answer to sin. His coming was in humility. In great love he suffered and died for you. 
and his life was in victory. Now you brought the life in his name, are dressed in his forgiveness. You are clean and pure in his sight. Now, holy and dearly loved, come receive his special assurance given in his body and blood. What great things he has done for us. It is good enough that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who preserves his church to the end of time, when he will come again as king to judge all people and take his home to glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
As you come forward, you'll come up the side aisles and come into the center and then just line up all the way across the front. And then go back down the center.
and how many nations are gathered against you. They say, let her be defiled, let her eyes glow over Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan. He who gathers them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Rise and dress, O daughter of Zion, for I will give you horns of iron. I will give you hooks of bronze, and you will break to pieces many nations. You will devote their ill-gotten gains to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. This is God's word. And from Luke 17, most people will not be ready for Jesus' final coming. Signs will happen ahead of time, and most people will be going rallying around in life. We, however, are to be watching and ready to leave this world at every moment, no matter where we are, no matter what we are doing. Luke 17, 20 to 37. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? They asked. He replied, Where there is a dead body, where the vultures will gather. This is God's word. In Romans 12, 1 2. Since we know the gospel clearly, we are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this results in a refreshed and refreshing view of God's ways and will. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This also is the word of God. Let's join the scene the next day.
Bible reading from John chapter 10 as for you there. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of our God. The dates, the history, the story is familiar. And after 500 years, as we've just finished celebrating the anniversary of the Reformation, perhaps more familiar than ever, November 10th, 1483. Hans and Marguerite Luder welcomed their little boy. And that day, the voices began. Perhaps, no doubt, they began a little bit sooner as, as Hans and Marguerite wondered, what will this child be? Who will this child be? The little boy, Martin, was baptized the next day on St. Martin's Day, November 11th. And throughout his young childhood, the voices continued. Not as some malady, some, some mental disorder, but voices that you and I are all too familiar with. The voices of expectations. The voice of the conscience. The voice of the world around us, all of which, all of which seems to mingle itself together. And in little Martin's life, the voices just continue to grow. Hans and Marguerite said, finally, finally, we've got our social security. This little boy, he's a smart little whip. He's going to go be a lawyer. And he'll provide for us in our old age. The voice of the conscience continued. In terror, say a hand, say to me, I'll come home. The exact conversation he had probably just had with his father just days previously. So he does. Thinking to himself that even though he is going against the wishes and desires of his parents, he will finally, finally, finally find a place and the exact place and time that the church had given for him to finally quiet that voice of the conscience. But it didn't. The nights of sleeping on a cold stone floor, of depriving himself and of Subduing his body by every means and even going beyond didn't do it. Becoming a priest still didn't do it as he stood up there with hands shaking, almost at the edge of a nervous breakdown to distribute holy communion. Going to the confessional didn't help. Six hours later, he gets 15 steps out, turns around, and says, You know what, I've got something. Going down to Rome didn't help. If this is what Christianity is about, then I'm looking in the wrong place. Because these people just battle on in mere professionalism and not even professional at that. The voices, you're familiar. Expectation, conscience, society. And for him, they grew even worse and even more loud. The voice of John Mack 
Here. Voices of Tetzel. Here. Violence. In all of it, only reconciled. After you continued through this study of God's Word and found the one voice, the one voice that really, only, truly mattered. The voice of the Good Shepherd. In the book of Psalms, and Romans, and Galatians. And so he said, Time out, guys, I think we've got this wrong. This whole system of, of sacraments, of confession and penance. Here, let's, let's just talk about it, right? Thinking naively, perhaps, that the voices would, would line up and he could finally be at peace within and without. But the history, all too familiar. All, and so very familiar that even though it was 500 years ago, we know the details. But even though it is familiar, at the same time, this at the same time, this is as Martin, this guy Martin Luther, lived in a totally different continent, spoke a totally different language, under a totally different political system, to totally different people, or so we might think. And this Martin Luther, whose, whose acts and whose works and whose writings line our bookshelves and serve as a textbook, in a sense, for our children and for our families, even though we are familiar with what he taught, at the same time, there's some distance. So far away. So different. And looking back through, yes, granted, less than rose-colored glasses, but the glasses of history nonetheless, we might get the impression that he is so far removed, and we are so very different now, that in a way, you know, his life in my life aren't related in any way whatsoever. Exaggeration, I'll confess. But we sing our hymns and we gather for our worship services and 500 years is certainly something to celebrate. And we sing our hymns, build on the rock, the church shall stand, the mighty fortress is our God, God is our refuge and strength. And then we get to a week and a half later, two weeks later, even one week later, and we wonder, where do I fit? What is my place? And how? How shall I serve as a pastor to people who need to hear the word, the word of God, and perhaps to generations who have despised the word of God as the gangrene that sprung up through John Calvin has wrung its poison for 500 years? You recognize, 100 years after the Reformation, the Pope extended the year of Jubilee so as to have a competing celebration. 200 years later, the voice of emotion and pietism started speaking ever more loudly. Deeds, not creeds. This matters how you live and what you do. 300 years after the Reformation, the voice of reason and rationalism, surely, surely you cannot believe that. We've got science. We've got knowledge. 400 years after the Reformation, perhaps the briefest of reprieves as reason and the belief in the continuum of man is crushed by the killing of an entire generation of men in World War I. 
And yet here we are. 500 years after the Reformation, the voices louder than ever, coming from every direction, and you and I, each in the same place, wonder. Martin Luther found peace of conscience, but that certainly didn't make all the other voices quiet down. He found the voice of a good shepherd, but that even did not silence the opponents. Outlaw, they declared. Excommunicated, the church declared. The visible church, that is. And for the rest of his life, he carried the cross, following after the footprints of his Savior, who had said, Come, follow me. My sheep, listen to my voice. We know that history. And we've celebrated it, and we've taught it, and it is, it is ever so familiar. But for us today, looking ahead to Reformation 500 plus two weeks, Reformation 501 next year, perhaps a little bit of an emotional letdown, which that's okay too. We read the news, and we see the same voices crying. Man walks into the church with God. It's not the turquoise at the doorstep, but the same diabolical opposition. The voice of society. Surely you? You must be one of those slackers, one of those backwards-leading Christians who is out of step with the times, and surely you cannot know what love is, because look how, look how prejudiced you are. And why shouldn't the Word of God have anything to say on, on my life? Because I feel this way, and it's a real true feeling. Right? The voice of the visible church. Pope Francis. <laughs> you can, um, you don't have to buy an indulgence. You can just retweet what I say, and that'll knock a few years off of purgatory. Those who are recognized and qualified and called Lutherans in the popular press, Antinomian at best, unchristian, denied every element of Christian doctrine, and that is largely the area in which you and I work in southern Minnesota and yes, northern Iowa. Where one of their own professors says in a popular publication in the Chicago Tribune, she says, Well, you know, I don't really think hell exists. How will I have the energy 
to keep going until that retirement day and then keep going for the 10 years past that because after all we passed the love of ministry being pulled this direction and that the voice of the conscience again rearing its head accusing whether or not that accusation is in line with what God has said you need to do more as a pastor you do more as a pastor you need to do more as a father in both directions, almost like you just want to dissolve into this quivering blob of jello. <laughs> or, can I just mail it in today and take a nap and not serving tomorrow? The voices that Martin Luther heard, not the voices of schizophrenia, the voices of expectations, the voice of authority, the voice of religious authority, the voice of the conscience, the voice of our own expectations and behind it all the knowledge this is what we have and that I am not up to the past sure we've got the schooling we've got the experience but Lord you know this heart that is the real reason because Lord you know we know we know all the doctrines and we've taught this stuff long enough, and we know the history, but Lord, I just can't. I'm a sinful man. I am but dust and ashes, and you call me to this task, this great and mighty task, and you let me live through the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And Lord, if it's your will, you'll even let me serve at the 500th anniversary of the Oxford Confession, the 2000 anniversary of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And who is up to such paths? And to all that, Jesus says, I'm on. Here, let me hit the, the mute button on all those other voices. There's one voice to listen to. I am a good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Fantastic. You see, the work of a shepherd, you know, it's not, not the most glorious. Taking care of animals, you take them out, you feed them, and you take them back in, don't even have to wipe the diaper, just walk through your step. Right. The work of the shepherd, our good shepherd, who laid down his life for you and for me, who said, Dear child, I've called you, I've made you my own, I've brought you and washed you and fed you and nourished you and watered you, and now follow me. And even with all the voices that this world shouts in our direction, even with all the voices from within the visible church, from within your fellowship of believers, from society, well, keep in mind that the world needed me first. But as for you, as for you, listen to my voice, that you may be a mouthpiece for me. You see? That's how God did it at Luther's That's how God continues to do it today. He doesn't say, well, dear friend, it's up to you to find the most, the most practical and what will attract the most people. He says, you speak for me. You. This is the language. 
And not, it's not the most fun. Actually, it's kind of nerve-wracking at least the first 50 dozen times to do it. But you're not bringing your own voice. You're speaking for me. I have sheep. And I want them to hear my voice. Through you. And as for you, shepherd and other shepherd that you are, water them. Wash them in the waters of holy baptism. Where the word is applied in water, together with the water, where the word is distributed and souls are fed even as we eat and we drink by mouth the real body and blood of our Lord, the one who laid down his life for the sheep, the one who took it up again. It's kind of ties in with the color we've got here today. The red at the front, the red that many of us are wearing. You see, as we mark days of, of confession, that is to say, taking a stand for the faith, it's the color of red. The color of white is for the day of the saints triumphant. As we celebrate the church triumphant in heaven, but as for you and as for me, the good shepherd says, Here, here's my yoke, here are the words, it's up to you to seek. It's up to you to wear the red and carry the cross and to follow the good shepherd. And yeah, the task looks absolutely impossible, but you know what? The only impossible task has already been accomplished, where the eternal infinite Son of God made flesh, took up a womb, took up residence in the womb of the Virgin Mary, where the God who has no beginning and no end was laid in the tomb, dead, and was raised to life the next day. So you see that even as we celebrate Reformation, whether it's Reformation 501 or Reformation 601, God lets us serve the ministry that long. Even as we celebrate Reformation, there's so much that might be different, but really so much the same. You have a good shot. He has washed you and made you his own, and he said, Your friend, speak my name. That is a task that lies before us, and really it's, it, it's a task of speaking the words of Jesus to all of the voices that Martin struggled with and that you and I struggled with. The voices from within our own home, of children or wife or family who need to hear instruction in the word. The voice of secular society, which has totally dismissed the idea of sin in favor of trying to explain away and romanticize the idea of death. The conscience is still there and needs to be addressed. The voice of the visible church, so much of which has deserved the word of God. The voice of the fellowship of believers that we share, which is in need of shepherds who speak the word. The voice of the conscience. And what is the one voice that silences them all? The voice of the perfect and sinless Son of God who has conquered death, who was crucified, yes, who gave up his life, who was buried, and you know what? They absolutely, without any reservation whatsoever, they absolutely cannot rebury Jesus. In fact, your good shepherd says, now, what about Reformation 501? Amen. Please rise.
Now may the peace of God that guards your hearts and your minds be with you, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. On page 11, we have a profession of our faith, the second article of the Apostles' Creed and Luther's explanation of it. As we focus on Jesus, our good shepherd, let us speak it together. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me from a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious life, and with his innocent suffering to death. All that is did that I should be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Thus, as he has risen from death and lives and rules eternally, this is most certainly true. You may be